Hi, this is Father Craig Swan, the priest at St. Peter's by the Sea in Narragansett. And welcome to our weekly service online, a brief service of readings, prayer, and homily for those who wish to attend church either at home or on the go. A reading from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, have stretched out my hand and no one heeded. And because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you. When panic strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despise all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and be satiated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmaments show his handiwork. One day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all lands, and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep he has set a pavilion for the sun, it comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then I shall be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. 
A reading from the letter of James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of inequity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and itself is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said this all quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. And for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, 
Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And just a reminder as to why I am standing in the pulpit and not on the floor. It's for two reasons. One, um, it helps us with recording, and also it allows more people to hear me more clearly. So we're going to try the uh, pulpit out for a while and see how it goes. But mind you, it does not mean I'm planning longer and more, power, more fire and brimstone homilies. Those get to come at Easter time. It has to be about 25 years ago that on a Sunday morning, I received a phone call from my aunt informing me that my 21-year-old cousin Brian had been killed in a car accident. Brian was one of these wonderful free spirits, had an artistic nature to him, but he didn't quite understand that the rules of the road applied not just to everybody else but to him as well. And sadly, that became his demise. During the years following Brian's death, my cousin, his mother, my godmother, there's a long story on how my first cousin is a generation ahead of me, grieved Brian deeply. And throughout her house, she had post-it notes that read, Justice for Brian. Because just after his death, she immersed herself in trying to sue all sorts of people, believing that he died because EMS didn't respond to him fast enough, or something else happened that shouldn't have happened and he would have lived. And for five years, she focused on basically finding justice for Brian. And in those five years, she kind of stood frozen in her grief. She became very isolated, very angry. Because somehow, deep in her heart, she believed if she let go of these lawsuits, she somehow was letting go of Brian. And that somehow, through these lawsuits, what she really was hoping for was the impossible that would bring Brian back. It wasn't until one day when something clicked inside her head and she realized the way that she was living wasn't good and that these lawsuits were going nowhere and that she had to find a way to move forward and to keep Brian's memory alive in a more positive, fruitful way. Since that day, she established a scholarship fund in Brian's name at the school he attended to offer a collegiate scholarship to the individual student who embodied Brian's spirit and artistic nature. In that award, she gives out joyfully every year now in Brian's memory. I think about my cousin, Jeannie, this week because of all that's been going on as we have marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I fear that in 20 years, this nation has not moved forward from that day. 
and that throughout this weekend, it hasn't been about a time of remembering or commemorating. It's been about of reliving the past and opening up the wounds. That somehow we have been frozen in a place trying to get back something we lost that day. And as I look back on that day, what this country lost, as that first plane hit the tower, is that sense of safety. Because as Americans, up until that day, we talked about the fact that we have lived without ever having an attack on American soil. And I believe what we have sought through war, through trying to refine our strength as a nation into, in terms of the world, has been simply to restore that sense of safety that will be forever lost. But what we haven't been able to do is realize that we live in a different time, and that just like the rest of the world, we are as vulnerable as everybody else. As I think about these, this reality, I think about the words of the funeral liturgy, in which we say every time, with death, life has not ended, but it has changed. And as a nation, we have failed to change with 9-11 and the world that it brought forth. We have failed to understand how to grieve, how to move forward without knowing how to uphold and to celebrate the lives of those who are lost and to honor them by becoming something greater. We talk about the fact that just after 9-11, as a country, we were unified. But what united us was, yes, a shared grief, but also a shared sense of fear and a shared sense of anger. That is no foundation for a lasting sense of unity. Again, as I go back to what is comforting about the funeral liturgy, is as we talk about life having changed at death and not ended, we replace it with something that is forlasting. Hope in what can be, what is, and what will be for each and every one of us. That is hope in everlasting life in unity with the Godhead. So we take the loss and we offer you something in its place, eternal life. In the last 20 years, we as a country have failed to figure out what it is that we have to offer in place of what was. And so we continue to struggle to be united in anger and fear. It reminds me so much of a small church named St. Andrew's in the Valley in Syracuse, New York, that when I first arrived in Syracuse, it was a thriving congregation. 
But just after my arrival, something cataclysmic happened there. General Convention elected to consecrate the first openly gay individual as a bishop. And that put a schism right down the middle of that parish. That parish, like so many others, unified against our bishop for having voted in favor of the consecration of Gene Robinson. And over time, despite conversation between the bishop and the congregation and trying to work things together, they finally pushed it so far that there was no church but for them to sever their relationship with the diocese. Back then, I remember saying to a colleague, that parish is not going to last for long because anything that is united in anger will eventually crumble. They were united in being against the bishop. But once that was taken care of, they had no vision for where they were going. And it wasn't long until that church splintered again over the prayer book and splintered again over women's roles in leadership. And within five years, that thriving church building now houses a different denomination. And the storefront that was formed with the splintering church now lays empty. Because building unity on a foundation of anger, of being against, is building a foundation on sand and not on rock. Jesus in today's gospel tells the disciples that we must be willing to lose our lives in order to gain it. With every loss, we must be willing to lose and let go of what was in order to gain what will be. We, as a people of Christ, understand that. And we offer the one foundation that is everlasting, that is made on a firm foundation, as our hymn said. And that is on Jesus Christ, our Lord. For that foundation is based on what builds up and truly unifies hope, love, the concept of the kingdom of God. If our nation is ever to become unified again, if 9-11 is ever to be let go of and able to move us forward as a country, we need, as a people of God, to talk about that which unifies and offer this country what it is lacking, a vision of hope, a vision of what a loving nation looks like, a vision of how there is strength in vulnerability, a vision of a nation that we talked about every morning through the pledge, where there is justice and liberty for all people. We can become that city on a hill if we choose to. We can use the events of 9-11 to honor those who gave their lives saving others, to honor those who lost their lives not knowing what was coming, not by staying frozen in the anger 
and putting our fist up in the air and saying, never forget. But by using that as an opportunity to understand where the darkness is and to guide people from the darkness to where the hope and the light of God is. God offers us, through Christ and the cross, the opportunity to take darkness and evil and to transform it into love and into peace. And we, as the people of God, who live in the light of Christ, are able to and equipped to bring that light and offer that light into the world. But as Peter finds out today in Jesus' words, that message is not popular in this world. As one writer pointed out this week, the words of Jesus, the word of God, is in direct conflict with God's creation. We need to wake up and change that. To risk letting go of what was in order to live into what can be. And so I leave you with these words of Ellen Lang Davis, who said, the problem with religion today is that we lack true religious imagination and the understanding that the world in which we live can be so much worse than it is, but also can be so much more than it is today. Let us use this weekend to unify into making this country and this world so much more than it is by through our love transforming this world to that of the kingdom of God, the dream that God intended at the time of creation. Amen. The Prayers of the People In peace, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the holy church of God, that it may be filled with truth and love and be found without fault at the day of your coming, we pray to you, O Lord. For Michael, our presiding bishop, for Nicholas, our own bishop, for all bishops and other ministers, and for all the holy people of God, we pray to you, O Lord. For all who fear God and believe in you, Lord Christ, that our divisions may cease and that all may be one as you and the Father are one, we pray to you, O Lord. For the mission of the church, that in faithful witness it may preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, we pray to you, O Lord. For those who do not yet believe and for those who have lost their faith, that they may receive the light of the gospel, we pray to you, O Lord. For the peace of the world, that a spirit of respect and forbearance may grow among nations and peoples, we pray to you, O Lord. For those in positions of public trust, especially for Joseph, our president, and Daniel, our governor, that they may serve justice and promote the dignity and freedom of every person, we pray to you, O Lord. For all who live and work in this community, especially those who work in our hospitality industry, and those whose work is on the sea, we pray to you, O Lord. 
for a blessing upon all human labor and for the right use of the riches of creation, that the world may be freed from poverty, famine, and disaster. We pray to you, O Lord. For the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer, for refugees, prisoners, and all who are in danger, that they may be relieved and protected. We pray to you, O Lord. For this congregation, for those who are present and for those who are absent, that we may be delivered from hardness of heart and show forth your glory in all that we do, we pray to you, O Lord. For our enemies and those who wish us harm, and for all whom we have injured or offended, we pray to you, O Lord. For all who have commended themselves to our prayers, for our families, friends, and neighbors, that being freed from anxiety, they may live in joy, peace, and health, we pray to you, O Lord. For all who have died in the communion of your church, and those whose faith is known to you alone, that with all the saints they may have rest in that place where there is no pain or grief, but life eternal. We pray to you, O Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this time with us, also please consider some of our other podcasts. Our bi-weekly podcast of conversations between a rabbi and a priest, as well as consider joining us if you're in town on Sunday morning at St. Peter's, 72 Central Street, Narragansett, Rhode Island.